the Rebbe was having a conversation with the Talmidim, the students, when Nisano asked the question. Rebbe, but I don't understand. Based on what Rebbe taught us in the Gemara the other day, blah, 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 a whole long question. And the Rebbe said, Oh, Nisanil, Baruch Hashem, you're paying attention, you have a great question, I'm so proud of you. And Nisanil, I think the answer is like this. And the Rebbe began talking to Nisanil. Now, I don't know if you've experienced this in your grade, but sometimes, especially when you're in a class that the Rebbe is teaching Gemara, especially if the grade is a little bit older, it happens that the Rebbe starts to talk to one boy who asked a question, and maybe a few other boys join the conversation, and the rest of the boys in the class schmooze, get out of their seats, wander to the window to watch the fire truck go by, all different kinds of things. And then the Rebbe finishes his conversation with this bacher, with this one boy, and the Rebbe looks around the room and realizes that he used to have 25 Talmidim, but now he only has three. And so he claps his hands, he maybe whistles, he maybe calls some people's names, he sometimes rings a bell. But eventually, after probably 15 or 20 more minutes, he has everyone back in their seats, just in time for him to start teaching the next piece of Gemara. And the next boy raises his hand and asks a question. And he again focuses his attention on that boy. And again, everyone gets out of their seats and schmoozes around and walks around. One person goes to the bathroom. One person gets a snack. The Rebbe sees. Uh, we're not eating snack now. Okay, Rebbe. And the Rebbe goes back to talk, and the boy leaves the snack in his hand, and he brings it to his seat, and he eats, and the Rebbe looks up. I thought I told you we're not eating now. Uh, oh, oh, Rebbe, I'm sorry. And the Rebbe goes back and talks, and the guy quickly sneaks the rest of his food into his mouth, quickly hurrying up, and the Rebbe looks and sees, and, are you eating? <laughs> nope, not anymore, I finished it. Oh. And then the Rebbe calls everyone back to attention. You know how it goes. Well, Rabbi Gold was getting a little annoyed with how often this was happening. He was spending half his class time, maybe even more, just trying to get kids to pay attention again. Because it didn't just happen in Gemara anymore. By this time, when a kid raised his hand and said, How come in the Pusik it said before, And now it only says, And the Rabbi said, Oh, that's a good question. I think the reason is, And... Ruvain turns to Shimon and says, Hey, Shimon, did you hear what the Yankees are doing? And Shimon says, Yankees? What's, what's the Yankees? I never heard of the Yankees. Well, what are they? Are they, are they a type of people? Are they like, a, like an Indian nation or something? Hmm. Anyway, well, the Rebbe, he was getting frustrated. So the Rebbe decided that he's going to give one of the famous things that Rebbe's do when they get frustrated. A musr schmooze. And... He waited until Friday, the end of the week, when everyone was going to go home anyway. That way, nobody could be mad at him for too long. And he waited until it was almost the end of the day, a half hour left of class. And he said, after they finished Parsha, Talmidim, I have to talk to you about something very, 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 very serious. Yes, Sammy? Is it about 
the writing that was found on the wall in the hallway? Nope, nope. But that's very serious, that people are drawing on the wall without Barashos. That's that's true, that's true. Okay. I have to talk to you about something very important and very serious. Yes, Sammy. Is it about the fact that some boys went outside and played ball and threw a baseball through the kindergarten window? No, Sammy. But that's very serious too, right? It, it is very serious, yes, yes. Yes. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. <clears throat> so what I want to talk about, the very serious thing... Yes, Sammy. Um, is it possible, maybe, perhaps, Rebbe is going to discuss the fact that during lunch, people were throwing bread, and it's a bizarre in Eichlin. My father told me that he heard that from the Shulchan Aruch, Yes, Avramel, don't call out. What do you need? I'm just wondering, did Sammy's father hear it directly from the Shulchan Aruch himself? Did Rabbi Yasef Kairu come to, to his father in a dream or something? Like, what does he mean? <sighs> Guys, you know what? I would like to say a schmooze. Oh, Sammy says, Rebbe's saying a Musr schmooze. Oh, one of those schmooze, and we love them. Go ahead, Rebbe. What what's Rebbe going to Musr about? About talking during davening, about talking during, during laning, about, about maybe, about not doing our homework. Actually, Rabbi say, listen carefully. The problem is, what's happening is, that as we have class, people stop paying attention. When I talk to boys about different questions, and people don't realize how important it is to listen to everything the Rebbe says. Yes, Sammy. But Rebbe, I do. I listen every time Rebbe talks. I listen so carefully. And Rebbe knows my mother's called Rebbe a lot of times because I listen so carefully. Uh, yes, I know. I know that. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and, and I appreciate that. I do. But everyone has listened. And I'll tell you why. Because sometimes I'm going to say something that you're going to hear a beautiful idea. And you're not going to know why you need to know it. And then one day, you're going to need to know that. And it might even save your life. Yes, you can see him. So Rebbe's saying that if we pay attention in class, then if we're at Chas uh, Shalom in a car crash, we'll stay alive because we paid attention in class like it's a chus. Not, not exactly. But you never know when some information you learned in class that you heard, not even that I told you directly. And certainly if I told you directly, some information you'll see is really going to help you, help save you from Tsaras. You know what? I, I want to share with you a story. Rebbe, um, yes, you see uh, Rebbe, there's 25 minutes left to, to, to go home, and um, Rebbe's stories sometimes take about to, to two hours or something. Um, is it possible Rebbe could save it for tomorrow? No, no. I'll start the story. If I run out of time, I'll finish it tomorrow. Believe it there, but I'll finish it tomorrow. Okay? Here we go. This is a multiple-part story. There's gym today, and there's less than 25 minutes left till gym. Oh, shucks. <gasps> yes. Chayim Mordechai. Rebbe, if it's tomorrow, tomorrow's Shabbos, and today's Friday. Oh, good question, Chayim Mordechai. I think in Rebbe language, when Rebbe say tomorrow or yesterday, it always means the last time or the next time we have class. That's what it means. That's called Rebbe language. Okay? All right, you good? Yeah, okay. Now, now you can sit down. 
Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, put that away. No swear cousins in class, please. Thank you very much. Okay. Now, ready? Here we go. So this story is an incredible, awesome story. Yes, Avramo? Rebbe knows an incredible, awesome story? Is that a problem? Well, just usually Rebbe's stories are kind of um, simple. Avramo, you don't like my stories? Well, Rebbe, um, there are other Rebbe who are known for their storytelling. It's not personal, but Rebbe is not known for his storytelling. <sighs> All right, well, if you want to know the truth, this story I heard from a very famous, awesome storyteller. Oh, who's who's that? I have to tell you? No, Rebbe doesn't have to tell me, but, but I just want to make sure that it's really going to be an awesome story. Fine. The storyteller I heard it from is... The great storyteller's name is Rabbi Fischel Shafter, a very famous storyteller. And I heard it on Torah phone. So Rebbe, maybe, <clears throat> nothing personal, Rebbe, maybe Rebbe should just like find the story on Torah phone and, and, and play the story. Avramo, if you don't want to hear my story, you can go to the Manal's office. I'm sure Rabbi Feingold has some work that he can give you to do some writing about not being chuspidic and disrespectful to Rebbe. No, no, Rebbe, I, I just, I just, thought I would save Rebbe some effort. Now, I'm going to try practice storytelling. And you're going to listen, and you'll tell me at the end, if, I'm sure, if it's a bad story. Okay, okay, Rebbe. Here's, here's how the story begins. Once upon a time, a long time ago, far off in the country of Poland, there was a young lady and her mother and her father who were sitting around the dining room table for supper. Papa, must you go? I have no choice. I have no choice. I, 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 I have no choice. But I have to figure out what to do. But Papa, but Papa, my husband has been missing for three years. If you go now, I'm nervous. Maybe you will not return. I have to go. It is important for me to see if I can figure out a way to figure out where your husband is. And I decided that I'm going to travel to the Rebbe, the Balatanya, and I'm going to see if he can advise me as to how to help you, my dear Tater, my dear Tater. Okay, Papa, but have a safe trip. Emir Tashem, I shall. And many days later, Papa returned. And he said, my dear daughter, the Balatanya gave me advice. And what's that advice? He said, you are to travel to... And you're supposed to find a man whose name is Rameya Rafael. He is the Parneso ear. Papa? Yes. What is a Parneso ear? Oh, he's in charge of the Jews like a Jewish mayor. So why is his name Rafael? He should just be called Mayor. <laughs> his name is Mayor, like Parnassier, Mayor Rafael. Anyway, but that's the name. So he's he's in charge of the city. You're supposed to travel to Mayor Rafael, and you're supposed to ask your Mayor Rafael to help you find your husband. Oh, Papa, that's what I'm supposed to do? That's what I'm to do? That's what the Balatanya said you are to do? That he will find you your husband. Okay, Papa. I shall. 
And the next morning, she got up, she got dressed, she got ready to travel. And she sat in the wagon that was hired by her father, with the driver that was hired by her father to take her. And she said, Papa, I shall return soon. Be'ezras Hashem. I hope so too, Papa said. I hope so too, Mama said. And then she was off. She arrived with the address of the local shul. That's what they put in the ways when they went traveling. Yes, Sammy. Rabbi, is it possible they didn't have ways? Yeah, okay, fine. It was a GPS. <clears throat> yes, you can still. Oh, they had GPSs back then? Uh, okay, fine. It was, it, he knew how to go. I don't know. He knew how to go. Anyway, back to the story. So they arrived in, and she got off the wagon, and she inquired from somebody around, where is the home of Ramir Rafal, the Parnasweer? I think it's, um, uh, yeah, down there, um, down the road, make a right, make a left, and then make a right, and make a turn, and uh, turn around and walk back here, and then go the other direction, about two blocks. Can I just go the other direction, two blocks in the beginning? If you want, um, it's more scenic the other way. Okay, fine. Well, I don't want to be scenic. And she went to the house. She came to her mayor Falls house in the middle of the afternoon, and she knocked on the door. She was clearly a traveler who looked weary from her travels, but she did not want to go find a place to stay. She wanted to find her husband. Because you see a lady whose husband walks out, who leaves, and does not return makes the lady in a state of aguna. She's a lady who cannot remarry, since she's married to her husband. And she's kind of stuck. And in the olden days, it was a very common situation that people went away, and we didn't know what happened to the people. Yes, you could see Well, why didn't they just send an email uh, where they were? <laughs> they didn't have email. Oh, but, but a text. They could have texted. <laughs> they didn't have texts either. Well, what about WhatsApp? Or Facebook? Oh, because they were mocked on the Gedolim's uh, halacha that you're not allowed to have those things. Oh, I see. Actually, you see, they didn't have any, they didn't even have cell phones. How did they live? They didn't even have regular phones. Yeah, anyway. So, she came to the house, she knocked on the door, and the Parnasweer's wife opened the door. And she saw this young lady. And she said, Oh, Shalom Aleichem. Ah, I see you're in town. Probably you're here to my husband to collect tzedakah from my husband because he's in charge of the tzedakah of the city. My husband is not home right now. Um, if you go right to the uh, place where they sleep... The people sleep when they come to visit the city. The poor people sleep in a special place when they come to visit the city. You can go there and, and take a rest and come back a little bit later when my husband is home. He'll be glad to give you some tzedakah. But I, I, can, I can't really give out more than a very little bit for tzedakah per person. And, and if you come back, he'll, I'm sure he'll give you a nice amount. You look like a young lady who needs help. And the young lady said, I'm sorry. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere? Nope, she said. I'm going to wait for your husband in your house. But he's not going to be home for many hours. I could wait. I need to see him, she said, as tears began to trickle down the inside of her cheeks, next to her nose. 
Okay, don't no need to cry. Come come in, come in. You you may uh sit on the couch. Um just brush off the clothing that you're wearing from the travel so you don't get the couch dirty. And she sat down and she waited. A couple of hours later, the door opened and a jolly man walked in. And he sang out to his wife, I'm home, I'm home. And his wife said, Oh, Ramira Foyle, good to see you. You're just in time for supper. Oh, great. Ah, I can't wait. Oh, but Ramira Foyle, I have to tell you, she said in a kind of a whisper, there's a young lady in the living room to see you. To see me? Oh, she needs to talk. All right. Oh, well, why is she waiting? Why didn't she just go to the, uh, to the Malone, to the hotel, and then come back when she's... She said she has to see you. Okay. And Ramirez fell walked into the living room, and he saw her. Oi, what's your name, young lady? And the lady said, my name is Devairi. Oh, Devairi. What's your last name? My name is Devairi Kleinberg. Okay, Devairi Kleinberg. And I see that you're here. Clearly, you traveled a far distance. Mistamba, you're looking for money to help make a chasana. You look like your chasana-aged lady. So here, I'll give you a nice check for $150 and another check from the community for $360 and we'll open the gemach for you to borrow another $1,000. I'm not here for that. Oh, you don't want a gemach. All right, so we'll give you the other checks. I'm not here because I'm getting married. Oh, you're not here because you're getting... Oh, you're collecting money for for your parents, probably. All right, hey, let me... Uh, nope. Oh, you mean... Oh, I see you're wearing a shaitel. Probably you need you need money for your, for your family. Oh, you're a young lady. Probably you have, like, little children. Oh, I'll get you... No, I'm not here for that. Why are you here? Because you're going to tell me where my husband is. I'm going to tell you where your husband is. I don't know what you're talking about. And she said, the Balhatanya told my father that you, Remerifal, the Parnesoir of the city of, is going to tell me where my husband is. Young lady, I apologize that I have to be the one to tell you. But I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, my husband's name is Aaron. And his last name is obviously Kleinberg. And my husband, Aaron Kleinberg, left home three years ago to make Parnassa, he told me, to find money so that we can live. And he left home and never came back. And I would like to know if he's alive or if he's dead. Where, where is your home? Well, my home is located on... The edge, in a little village, she named the village, whatever the village name is, doesn't matter so much for us. At the edge of the nearest river, and the Balhatanya said, you are going to tell me where he is. Look, young lady, I don't, I don't really know, I'm not really a chassid of the Balhatanya, and I don't really know much about him. But um, perhaps he made a mistake. Perhaps he meant somebody else. But I don't know where your husband is. If you would like, I can give you some tzedakah. And I can put you up in the hotel with the other aniyam for this night. But I cannot help you further than that. Why don't you go back to where you came from? 
and daven to Hashem that Hashem will help you. I'm not leaving. I could daven to Hashem from here, but I'm not leaving this city until you give me back my husband. And with that, she walked out of the door. She went to the hotel. She checked in. She found the room and she began to cry and daven to Hashem for Siyatha Dishmaya. The next morning, the partner so here, Ramirafal, got up at his usual 6.30. He went downstairs. He made for himself his usual coffee. Two nice heaping spoonfuls of coffee. Seven heaping spoonfuls of sugar. And a little bit of milk. He stirred it all together, made a shakol, and took a sip. Ah, Ganeiden. Yes, Yikusio. Was it a Keurig machine? Because my father loves the Keurig machine. He says you don't even sugar when you... They didn't have Keurig machines. Really? Yeah. Was it at least like Dunkin' Donuts coffee or something like that? Starbucks or... No, they didn't have a Dunkin' Donuts. They didn't have a Dunkin' Donuts? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, just listen. And after he finished drinking his coffee, it was time to go to Shachras. Shachras was 7.10. And he got up from the seat... And he walked to the door, he put on his jacket, he put on his hat, he grabbed his tefillin and his talus, and he opened the door, and he almost received a knuckle sandwich on his nose. Right outside the door was Devery Kleinberg. She had just been about to knock on the door. Uh, good morning, the partner said to her. Good morning. Do you have any news yet? News? Yes. Where my husband is? I, I, I really don't. Well, don't forget, I'm waiting. I really think you should go back home. Nope. Please, please, you're just making things worse for yourself. I'm sorry, I, I know the Balatanya said it, and if the Balatanya said it, then it's going to happen. You are going to tell me where my husband is. The partner went to show. After davening, he had a meeting uh, with the town council, all about the Eruv. And then he had another meeting because there was some things in the well that were not able to be removed so easily and they were not so healthy to have in the well. And then he had another meeting about the boy who was struggling in school. And he had all these different meetings and finally at 1.15 it was lunchtime and he was so hungry because he had been all day running back and forth and he came home eager to eat lunch. And he walked up to his front door and suddenly standing before him was Devairi. Do you have any news yet? Did you find out anything? Did you make any inquiries? I, no, no, I'm sorry. You need to ask. You need to find out. You're the one who's going to be the Mishliach of Hashem to tell me. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But I really... Uh, I, excuse me. I have to go eat lunch. And he went and saw it and he sat down. And his wife said, what's the matter? You look like you're exhausted. I am. I had a very busy day, but really what's most exhausting was the fact that at the end of the day, I met this young lady again at the end of before lunch. I met the very again. I'm so tired. I don't know what to do with her. I such a nebuch. Maybe just offer her more money. She'll go back home and she's not going to go. She's not leaving, she said, until I tell her where her husband is and how in the world am I supposed to, who am I to know where I, I, I mean... Supper, same thing. This time she was in his house already, waiting for him. Since the middle of the afternoon, 
I'm sorry, Mayor Rafal. I had to invite her in. She was just waiting outside. All right. Mr. Very, would you like to have some supper with us? If you don't mind. Excellent. Thank you. And they sat down together and they ate supper. But even though they all ate supper together, Mayor Rafal did not have any hope of finding her husband. And this went on for days and then weeks. And the Vairi wouldn't relent. And every time Ramirafal said, Go home! Whether it was, Go home, please! Or whether it was, Could you just go home already? Or whether it was, Please, please go home! The Vairi would say the same thing. Don't be upset with me. I'm just following the rules of the Balatanya. I'm not upset! The Pinesir would shout. Or sometimes she would say, Please have mercy on me. And he'd say, I'm having mercy on you. Your going home is the most merciful thing you can do for me. I mean for you. <laughs> well, it was one evening in middle of the night. Rabbi Mayor Rafal had just put on his pajamas. And he had just put on his nach nach nachman yamuka, his shluf kapal, to go to bed. And he had just sat down with a sitter to say Kriyash Malamita. And he had just finished a little drink of water so that his throat wasn't dry when he said Kriyash Malamita. And Ramir Falls Minig was to say the bracha on Kriyash Malamita after Shema. And he finished the Sheremalis. He finished Rigzuva al He even said Adon Olam. And he was about to begin the bracha. Baruch Ato Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam HaMapil Sheinu Meinoi. When suddenly there was a loud rapping at the downstairs door. Oy vey. Is it a customer? It's kind of late for customers, he thought. Must not be a customer. He went downstairs and he threw open the door. And there in the doorway was an officer of the police department. Mayor Rafali said, the chief wants you in the police station. The police chief wants you in the police station. Um, could I get dressed first? Or do I have to wear my pajamas to the police station? Oh, please, go upstairs. You can get dressed. And I would advise you to put on a coat. It's cold outside. Mayor Fall ran upstairs. He quickly began to dress. His wife called from her bed. Hey, Mayor Foyle, where are you going? <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. I have an emergency phone call. I mean, emergency call to the police station. I'll be back soon. You take a nap. He ran downstairs. And the guard was there. The police officer was there. And Mayor Fold jumped with the police officer into his wagon. And they clippity-clopped towards the police station. They arrived at the police station. They arrived at the police station and the chief 
welcome Mirafal. Shalom Aleichem, Mirafal said. Can I help you? Ah, Parni Soir, Mirafal, I'm glad you're here. You see, we are a border city. We're a city that borders other countries. And often people try to sneak across the border without the proper papers and licensing. And we have caught tonight three fellows who are sneaking across the border. He came to the police station and the police chief welcomed him. Hello. Good to see you. Ah, yes. Glad to see you too, Mr. Policeman. Chief, I'm sorry. Uh, you called me in the middle of the night. Is something, is something matter? Yes. We caught three Jewish people sneaking across the border without the proper papers. And as you know, usually people in situations like this get in big trouble. But we figure if you know who they are, if you could take responsibility for them, since this is the first time we've caught them, then we will release them into your authority. Oh, that's a that's a great that's a great thing. Um, could I meet them? Sure, come with me. And they went to a big conference room, and there were three Jews sitting on chairs. Their faces were down. They lifted them slightly when the rabbi walked in, and their faces lit up. They figured now they're safe. There's a Jewish rabbi with them. Okay. Rabbi, I will let you do the interrogations. Okay. You remember how this works, right? Yes, I've I've done it a few times. I I got it. Ramirefo went over to the first fellow, and he said, Shalom Aleichem. And the fellow said, Ah, Aleichem, Shalom. What's your name? Maishi Smithering. Uh-huh. Nice to meet you. Um, why were you crossing the border? Oh, I am a very poor man, and I need tzedakah. And do you know how much it costs to pay for the paperwork to cross the border? I came to walk around the country collecting tzedakah. Okay, okay. Uh, where are you from? I have a letter here from my Rav in my town. And Ramirez takes out. Ramirez takes the letter. And he reads the letter. And he sees what it says. He gives it back to the fellow. And he says, oh, okay, okay. Okay, good. Good. Uh, chief, um, I'm going to vouch for him. All right, we will take him to get his other belongings and get him ready for you. Okay, and he went over to the next Jew, and he said, Shalom Aleichem. Aleichem Shalom, the Jew said. Ah, and what's your name? Tovye. Oh, Tovye, nice to meet you. And what do you do for a living? I am a chazin. Oh, that's nice to you, you're a chazin. And why did you sneak across the border? Well, I'll tell you the truth, I wasn't trying to sneak across the border. Oh, really? Yes. You see, I was trying to see how loud my voice could be. 
I figured if I crossed the border and I shouted to the guards on the other side that I had my papers and they came to get them, then I know that my voice... <laughs> Tell you, come on. We know that that's not really true. Yeah, I, I realize. Um, actually, I'll tell you the truth. The truth is that uh, I didn't... Um, I, I don't know. I, I, what do you do for a living, Tilia? You're a chazan for a living? Uh, not, not really. I, um, ah, that's the problem. You don't really have a parnasa. And you wouldn't get across the border unless you were able to tell people why you're crossing the border. Why did you cross the border? Well, I heard that there are some rich people on this side of the border. And I decided to uh, maybe come and um, uh, see if they wanted to give me some things. Ah. Are you a thief? Nothing. Do you take things that don't belong to you? Mm-hmm. That's what we thought. Hmm. Ramirez said. All right. Look, the police chief doesn't understand Yiddish, which is what we're talking in. I think that you have two choices. You could either quickly become a val teshuva, or we're going to send you back across the border. And if you become a Balchuva and you go back to your thieving ways, I will have you arrested and thrown in jail for the rest of your life. What's your decision, Tavya? Um, actually, actually, I have a great idea, Tavya. You can sing, you have Chazan's abilities, I see that. So how about if I get you a job being a Chazan, and if you do Teshuva, before you get your job, you'll be a great chazan, and, and you'll have parnasa. There's a little shul about a town and a half over. A town and a half? What does that mean? It's just a little town. But that, that name's a chazan for their shul. Ah, I think it's a great idea. Okay. Tovia, you, you want to do that? I guess so. Great. Perfect. Ah. Chief, I'm going to take responsibility for him too. Ah. Okay. The last year. Hmm, you look like a downtrodden Jew. Shalom Aleichem. Oi, you look like your life is not so happy. Your clothing are torn. Your face has a sad look. Shalom Aleichem. What's your name? My name? My name is Aaron. Oh, Aaron. And what's your last name? Kleinberg. Oh, Shalom Aleichem, Aaron Kleinberg. Where were you from, Aaron Kleinberg? Oh, here and there. Hmm. Did you ever live in um, the little town next to the Nyrus River? Um. Um. Me, no, 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 never, never. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And what are you doing here? I came because I work now as a salesman, and I'm selling things, and I. Didn't have money to pay for the passport to cross the border, so I was trying to just get across to continue my job of selling things. And I also have to pay a tax. I also have to pay a tax when I cross the border, so I was trying to save some money. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, interesting. Um, uh, let, let me ask a question. Were you ever married before? Me? Married? Um, 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 uh, mm, I, 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 yeah, I, well, sure, I, ha- I, have, I, have, I have a wife in the other country, um, uh, yeah, um, and, and five children. Uh, oh, actually six. No, five and a half. Uh, one, five and a half. Hmm, interesting. 
half a child. What's the top half or the bottom half? Um, well, the front half. I mean, the the what? No, I, I mean, I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. You know what? Wait here for a minute, Chief. Yes, Rabbi Fall, Mayor Fall. Could you hold on to this guy for two more minutes? For a few more minutes, I have to go take care of something right away. Um, I, I guess. And Ramirez ran out of the police station as quick as he could. He jumped into the wagon, only to realize the wagon wasn't hitched to any horses, because they never are in any of the stores that kids seem to like. And so then he jumped out of the wagon, he hitched the horses up, and he jumped back in the wagon, and he realized that there was no driver. And so he went out of the wagon to find the driver. Meanwhile, the horse unhitched itself, and... Or something like that. That's what always happens in these kids' stories, right? Anyway, finally got in the wagon. He raced home. He zoomed home. He said to his wife... Uh, are you sleeping? She said, not anymore. He said, oh, okay, where's that lady staying? What, what lady? Devairi, Devairi, Devairi Kleinberg. Um, Devairi Kleinberg. She's staying at the hectish, at the, at the place where, where all the, all the guests stay. Okay, fine. Uh, let me see. Oh, hectish, the women's hectish. Oh, here we go. Oh, oy vey. So women's, how am I gonna wake everyone up? Oh, I know. The lady who sleeps, who owns the place, she sleeps in that front room. And Ramirez took a rock and he threw it at the window. Right by that room, and bang against the window, and through another rock, and bang against the window, and after a few minutes, he saw the face of a lady in the window, and she, her eyes widened when she saw who was throwing the rocks at the window. She thought it was a burglar or a little child trying to cause trouble. She ran to the front of, and came out the front door. Mayor Rafael, what are you doing, breaking our windows? I need to speak to Devairi. Who? Devairi, Devairi Kleinberg, that that lady who who was looking for her husband. Oh, you mean the Iguna? Yeah, that, that lady, that lady. Yeah, yeah, I know she's driving crazy. You want to send her home, huh? Yeah, I, I realize that she's really been driving. I've been telling her to stop driving you crazy. You don't know where her husband is. You don't know who her husband is. You're never going to be able to help her. Do me a favor. Just could I talk to her? All right, I'll try to wake her up. We'll see if maybe she's, she, I don't know. She usually says Tilla most of the night anyway, so excellent. A few minutes later, the very Kleinberg came to Ramirez Fall was waiting outside. Yes. Mrs. Kleinberg. Yes. Could you... Could you tell me, what does your husband look like? My husband, Aaron? Yeah. Have you seen him? I'm not sure. What does he look like? Um, well, he has two eyes. <laughs> a nose and mouth, right? Yeah, no, I mean, like, give me some more. Well, he's medium height. He's kind of skinny. His nose is a little bit pointed. Uh, he has brown, brown hair and brown eyes. And, um, oh, he has a, he has a, a, uh, like, like a birthmark, like right by his temple right over here. Mm-hmm. Are you busy now? Not really. I'm just saying till him and maybe gonna go to sleep soon. Uh, could you come with me, please? Where are we going? Um, the police station. It's safe. Don't worry. The police, police guys over here in the van, he's gonna drive us in, the, in this wagon. And they jumped in the wagon, they raced the police station. And along the way, where Mayor Falls holds her, I have someone who might, might, don't get excited, might be your husband. <gasps> don't get excited yet. But I don't know for sure. So what I need to do is I need you to stand outside the room. We're gonna prop open the door and We'll see if we can prove if he's your husband or not. Don't worry. Leave that part to me. Okay. I knew it. I knew it. The Balatanya. Don't get excited. But the Balatanya told me you're going to find my husband. He knew it. He knew it. Okay. Just relax. Relax. 
They came in. And Hermerifol came over to the guy and said, all right, so you're Aaron Klein, Kleinberg, right? That, that's right, that's right. And you're married to somebody who lives far off in a different country with five, five to seven children. She's not sure how many, right? Uh, and yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. And you're not married to anybody around here. No. You're not married to a lady named Devairi by any chance, are you? Who? Devairi. And the Reb Fall, Mayor of Fall saw his eyes get wiggly and nervous. No, 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 never, never. I never heard of anyone named Devairi Kleinberg. Oh, really? You never heard, huh? Okay, okay, okay. One minute, please, okay? And he went out. And he said to Devairi, that sound like your husband? She said, mm-hmm. Excellent. I'm going to call you in the room, and I want you to walk in the room quietly. Just walk in when I call your name. Okay? And he went back in. All right, so anyway, so so you're here because you said, what do you sell? Um, currently, I'm selling buttons. Buttons? You know, the kind you press, like a red doorbell button, or the kind you press to call the nurse. I know, no, I don't know what that is. Oh, I forgot, electricity wasn't invented yet. Another very important lesson from kids' tapes. Well, what kind of buttons? You know, uh, your buttons you have on your shirt, and buttons that you have on your waist, the waistband of your skirt or your pants. Oh, those buttons, okay. Now, again, just, just want to make sure, you don't know anybody named Devery Kleinberg. Oh, no, mm-mm. And you were never married to somebody named Devery. No, mm-mm. And never, mm-mm, no. Okay. Devery Kleinberg, could you come into the room? And his eyes widened, and Devery Kleinberg walked into the room, and this man jumped up and was about to run out of the room through the window. But there was one of the policemen standing right there, put his hand on his shoulder, and this strong, big policeman pushed him back down into his chair. And Ramirefall said, No. Devery, is this your husband? Yes, that's Aaron. Where have you been? What happened to you? Why did you leave me all by myself and run away? Uh, I, I, uh, um, uh, and he broke down and he started to cry and he admitted that he was married to her and he said that the bottom line is he didn't have a way to make Parnassa. He couldn't figure out how to make a living and he really felt that it would be better if she got to marry to somebody else. He wasn't going to be helpful for her. And he was insistent that he can't be married to her. But he didn't know what to do, and so he stayed away. Oh, Faith, that's terrible, Ramirefal said. Are you sure you don't want to be married anymore? He said, I'm sure. And Devery said, after the tsar he put me through, I'm sure also. So Ramirefal said, don't go anywhere. He quickly went back to the city. To the nearest house was the cipher. He called the cipher. He called some Adim. He called the basin together. He got the heads of the basin to write a get. And Aaron gave a get to Devairi. And now Devairi was divorced. She was a Gerusha. But she was now allowed to marry another time if she wanted. She was free to marry someone else. Something she was not able to do for the past three years. Ah, thank you, Ramirefal. I always knew that you were going to help me. The Balatanya knew you were going to help me. The next morning, she packed her bags. She got onto an Uber, or the equivalent of an Uber in those days, 
and she went home. And she and her family celebrated. Just so you know about Devairing, a few months later she found another person to marry, a big Tamud Chacham, and she married him. And she opened a store, and her store she sold many things, except for buttons. And she and her husband lived happily ever after with seven children. But that's not the end of the story. Ramirafo went back to normal life. A few months passed. One day, Ramirafo was at home after eating a delicious lunch. And Ramirafo, yes, Sammy. Rabbi, this is such a long story. Could we eat snack? If you didn't notice, Sammy, you guys ate snack before. Yeah, but so long, it's time for another snack. Nope, nope. I, enough, I had enough crinkling of wrappers and papers and all those kind of things. <sighs> yes, Avramo? Rabbi, you know, it's bitl teira to tell a story for so long because we're supposed to be learning Chumash or Gemara or Mishnayis and what are we doing? Telling stories. Rabbi, it's bitl teira. Oh, okay. That's fine, Avramo. So feel free to go to the base of Medrash and uh, learn and I'll make sure to, to ask you some questions on your learning to make sure you learn properly. Well, well, I don't, I don't, maybe, anybody else want to join our family in the base matters? I don't know why. Well, nobody's raising their hand. Well, Rabbi, it's not that I, I don't like the story. It's just that, it's just that when I come home from school, my, my father's going to ask me what I learned and he wants to learn with me and I'm going to cause over the story with him. Maybe if Rabbi sends me a copy of the, of the tape, of the CD, then I'll be able to chaser over the story. Maybe it's an idea. Maybe it's an idea. Okay, okay. Okay, I'll record it and uh, send it over. Anyway, Avramo, you ready? Can we go on? I, I guess so, Rebbe. Yes, you can seal. Uh, Rebbe, uh, I'm not sure if this is relevant, but um, my shoelace is untied. Could I tie it in the middle of the story? Yes. Do I have to wipe my hands or wash them afterwards? Because is it like learning Torah? <sighs> you know what? I'm not sure. Why don't you just leave your shoelace untied because you're not going anywhere anyway? But what if there's a fire drill in the middle, in the middle of the story, and then we have to leave, and then then I might trip and, and fall down the steps or something? If there's a fire drill, you take off your shoe. That's a good idea, Rebbe. Oh, it's a good idea. Oh, maybe I should wear ever sh- wear shoes, and then I have to wear ever about tying my shoes. Okay, I'm going back to the story. Okay, there we go. Ramirez was sitting at home, enjoying lunch, and suddenly there was a loud rapping on the door. Ramirez Fall said to his wife, ah, Stay, stay, eat. You're drinking your hot tea. I'll get the door. And Ramirez Fall walked to the door. And he opened the door. Standing in the doorway were Chaim and Moshe. Chaim and Moshe. Both big supporters of the community. Givirim, rich men, who donated half the shul by themselves who each donated a safer terror to the shul, and who had taken upon themselves to give any poor person a new set of clothes for Yom Tif. They weren't looking happy. They weren't looking calm. As a matter of fact, the moment he opened the door, Chaim and Moshe said in unison, could we speak to you? Sure, sure. Is the living room okay? No, we need to speak to you in your study. In my study? Okay. They came to the study. And 
The study was a room that had a lot of windows so you could see out and relax in that room. And Moshe went to the windows, made sure they were all closed and locked. Chaim went to the windows, made sure all the window shades were down. Is everything okay? No. What's the problem? Moshe started to talk. He said that many weeks ago, we were approached by one of the wealthy noblemen. He asked us to sell him a big stock of lumber, which is what we deal in. That's our business. We sell lumber. We sell wood for building. And this nobleman who asked us for lumber had asked us for lumber many times. And he very, very infrequently paid us. And so when he asked us for lumber this time, we said, no, we cannot give you any lumber. You owe us too much money. And he was not happy. And he was so unhappy. And he was so dissatisfied that he arranged an accusation that we should be accused of counterfeiting. He had the police arrest us for counterfeiting. I didn't hear. We kept it secret. And then the police arranged that we should be brought in front of a judge. And the judge, the judge didn't ask for evidence. All he did was this rich nobleman was in the room and watched as the judge looked at us and said, you are accused of counterfeiting. What do you have to say for yourselves? And we said, um, and the judge said, guilty! Ten years in Siberia. Our jaws dropped open. We didn't know what to say. It was false, the accusation. The whole court case was a sham. What were we going to do? The nobleman walked out with a smile on his face. And he looked at us and he mouthed with his lips, that's what you get for trying to start off with me. And he walked out. And after he walked out, the judge said, I need to see you guys in my chambers, in my private room, to discuss your sentencing procedures. And in our private, the private room with the judge, the judge said to us, I want you to know that... I know you're not guilty. You what? Yes, I do. But I too have to fear this nobleman. As if I don't do what he says, he too will find reason for me to be in trouble and maybe even get murdered or killed. I'm stuck. You have three weeks before you'll be sent to Siberia. During those three weeks, there's a slight chance that you can solve the problem for yourself and the problem for all the people in our area. Perhaps if you are able to travel to the capital city and in the capital city, Vilna, you are able in Vilna to speak to the minister of justice, the person in charge of justice. Perhaps you'll be able to tell him the story. And he has the power to save all of us from the trouble of this great nobleman. Please, I ask you, 
go and save us. And Moshe Chaim said to the Parnitzoir, and so for the last week and a half, we've been trying to figure out what to do. Moshe here, he, he wants to just stay home with his family. Yes, Moshe says, if we're going to Siberia for 10 years, for all we know, we're never ever going to come back. We're never going to be alive again. And we're never going to see our families again. So we have three weeks. We might as well stay here and just, and just, and just be with our families. But I, Chaim said, I figure it makes sense to try. Even if it takes a whole bunch of time. Even if we're going to lose out, try. We're going to try to go to Vilna and try to see the Minister of Justice and try to save our lives. And we don't know what to do. We decided after Shabbos, we're going to come and talk to you. Perhaps one of the last Shabbos will be able to keep. Because when we get to Siberia, we know you can't keep Shabbos. You can't keep mitzvahs. No tefillin, no kosher food. Wow. Rimeirfal was like astonished. He was shocked. He didn't know what to say. And then an idea came into his head. He said, you know, I do think that you should travel to Vilna and try to speak to the minister. I do think that. But I'm not a Hasidish guy. And if it wouldn't be for what happened a little while ago, a few months ago, I would never even suggest this. But a few months ago, a lady came to me, the Balhatanya sent her to me, and she knew from the Balatanya, something that I myself didn't know. She knew that I was going to save her from her state of Aguna. I was going to find her husband for her. Because the Balatanya told her that. The Balatanya is clearly quite a holy yid. I would recommend that along the way, as you go to the Minister of Justice in Vilna, make a detour. Stop by the Balatanya for a bracha. For advice. No way, Moshe said. No way. We're not doing that. We are not doing that. It, the whole trip is going to take us almost the whole time. And then that means I won't have any time with my family left. No way. We're going to go to the minister just not get anything our way. It doesn't make... It doesn't make... Moshe, calm down, Moshe. Calm down. It makes sense for our lives to try it out. And Miraful said, yes, yes, I'm telling you, it was a miracle what happened. This man is a very holy yid, clearly a holy yid. And so Chaim and Moshe left the room after knowing that nobody else knew what they were doing in that room because they didn't want anybody to know what was happening because they hadn't even told their families what's happening because they knew how devastated they would be. And they hopped on their horses and they rode towards Vilna. Along the way, they debated stopping by the Balatanya, but... Finally, Chaim convinced Moshe that he should. And they went to the Balatanya. And they came to the Balatanya. And the Gabai, the person in charge of taking care of the Balatanya, was there. And they said, we'd like to speak to the Balatanya. Okay. Oh, you want to speak to the Balatanya? Okay, okay, okay. Um, um, we'll give you an opportunity. Here, here you go. Uh, looks like he's available now. You can go in. And they went into the Balatanya. And the Balatanya looked at them. And before they uttered a word... The Balatanya said, I have a question for you. Yes. 
Moshe said hopefully. Mm-hmm, Chaim said eagerly. Maybe he was going to ask them a question, and they were going to answer it, and he was going to help them, save them from Siberia. Did you ever learn the Chumash, Parsha Shemais, the words in the Torah that say, Moshe shrugged his shoulders. Chaim nodded. Do you ever wonder about the missing letter? The Vav in La'ilam is missing? Chazal tell us that this teaches us that Zeshimi, this is my name, Yud Kevavke, Le'olam, to hide, hide my name. We hide Hakadish Baruch's name. We don't pronounce Hashem's name, Yud Kevavke. We pronounce Hashem's name with the Lashon of Adnus. And let me ask you something else. Did you ever hear of a Maimur Chazal, of a statement from the rabbis that said, Malchuso da'ara, Kein Malchuso de'rokia. The earthly kings, kingdoms on earth, are similar to the kingdoms of heaven. To Hashem. Kings that are on earth are similar to Hashem. Did you ever hear of that Chazal? Uh, 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 maybe, Chaim said. Yes, Moshe said. Waiting for the point, how this relates to Siberia. Well, I want to tell you Pshat in that Chazal. Okay. What Chazal mean is like this. You know how when we see Hashem's name written, Yud, with a hey, and then a vav and a hey, we don't pronounce it that way. We don't pronounce it the way it's written. We call Hashem with the language of Adnus, Ado, my master. We don't use Hashem's proper name. We use a language of master. Or we call Hashem Elohim, which is another form of power. That's how we refer to Hashem. And just like we refer to Hashem by not using His name, but using a way of describing Him, so too, an earthly king, when you talk to an earthly king, you do not say the earthly king's name. If his name is James, you don't say, King James, could you please help me? If his name is Charles, you don't say, King Charles, can you help me? If his name is Peter or Alex, you don't refer to them by their first name. You say His Majesty, His Honor. That's what it means. The connection between the earthly king and Hashem. Both. You don't use the name. You use a description to speak to them. Chaim waited. Moshe waited. And they were about to say, Okay, very nice, Vart. Now could we... And the Balatanya put his head back down into his safer and made a motion. Okay, the Balatanya is saying it is time for you to go. But, 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 your audience is over, your time is over. The Balatanya is, but I, I. And they walked out and boy was Moshe mad at Chaim. 
Chaim, you brought me all the way here. You took us out of our way to speak to the Balatanya. What happened? He told us a vart. Very nice. Shkoyach, shkoyach. Now when we get to Siberia, we can tell all the Jews there the vart the Balatanya told us. Wow, that's going to really be helpful. And then maybe we can make a lachayim on some, on some, on some, on some ice or something because there won't be anything water over there. And Michael, don't be so cynical. You never know. You never know. You never know. Chaim, do you realize that in, in a very short time, we are going to be spending a lot of time together in the freezing cold weather, and we are not going to ever see our families again. And it's, and, 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 and I will have missed out and the last few days because you decided, uh, uh, we decided, Meshla, we decided. Well, you forced me to go, let's just go to Vilna. And they went to Vilna. And they tried to figure out, how are they going to find this great minister of justice? How are they going to speak to him? Especially, because in film, the Jews were not really allowed to hang out. It was the capital city, and it wasn't welcoming to Jews. They met someone, a Jew, an elderly Jew, who told them, by the palace, there's a gate around the palace, there's a garden. The minister of justice takes a walk every day at lunchtime in that garden. If you can make yourselves available right at where he's walking, you can call to him and maybe have a conversation and he might be able to help you. And so Moshe and Chaim went to the gates of the palace and they waited outside in the woods so that nobody would see that they were there because otherwise they'd be thrown out. And they waited and they waited. One day went by and they did not see anybody. On the second day they were there, a man came out from the palace. He looked like a minister. Like a person in charge. Minister means like a person in charge, like an official. And he began walking towards the garden. And Chaim was waiting to see if he could figure out who he was. Chaim, let's go. Maish, we have to see who he is. Doesn't matter. And Maish climbed the fence and jumped over the fence, half ripping part of his pants as he got stuck on the fence a little bit. Chaim sighed. Oh, Maishla, you're so impulsive. And he too climbed over the fence. And the two men came towards the minister. And the minister saw them. And he said, Jews? Two Jews over here? Oive, quick, let's go back. Maish, hurry, come on, let's go back. We're going to get in trouble. Who are you? Maish asked the minister. Me? Yes, we're looking for the Minister of Justice. I am not the Minister of Justice. I am the Minister of Education. Uh oh. Okay, quick, let's go before he arrests us. And they run back towards the gate. The Minister of Education called them back. Please, please, come back here. Don't run away. I'm not going to get you in trouble. I need to speak to you. And they came back, nervous as anything. Um, um, why are you here? Well, because we got in trouble. It was a false accusation and the judge convicted us, but the judge himself said he knew it was false because of this really powerful nobleman and the, oh, well that's beyond my control. But I have a favor to ask you. Yes. You see, I am the minister of education. Yes. The czar thinks that as minister of education, I know everything. Because how can you be in charge of education if you don't know everything? <laughs> oh, and he asked me a question that I have no idea how to answer. <laughs> okay, 
And I think you Jews might be able to answer my question. Um, we, we could tr- try. Because it's based on a Jewish text that somebody shared with the king, with the czar. That somebody shared with the czar. Oh, okay, Moshe says. Well, the czar asked me. He heard that there's a connection between the heavenly kingdom the kingdom of ha- Hashem, he said, but he said God. The kingdom of God and the earthly king. That they're connected. They are similar. In what way, the czar said, are the two similar? And I didn't know the answer. But I couldn't tell that to the czar. Because if you tell the czar, I don't know, and you're supposed to know, then you are never going to know every, anything ever again. Either because you will be in jail for the rest of your life, or because your head will no longer be connected to your body for the rest of your life. So I told the czar, I have to think about it. And I came to the garden to think about it. And I met you. Can you help me? The eyes of Chaim widened upon hearing the question. Moshe's jaw dropped all the way to the ground when he heard the question. Flies began coming into his mouth. Bees thought it was a place to maybe get some pollen. Is everything okay? Aha, they responded. We have an answer for you. And we got the answer from a great rabbi. And they explained. Just like Hashem, we don't call by his name. So to a king, we don't call by his name. So they're similar because you don't call them by their real name, you call them by His Majesty, His Highness, His Royal Highness, or something like that. That is beautiful, the Minister of Education said. That's beautiful, that's genius! You are, you are geniuses! Ah, I always knew the Jewish people knew everything. Oh, beautiful, okay. I will go tell the Tsar. And they ran out of the garden as the minister ran back to the palace. Five minutes later, a man came running out of the palace. It was the minister of education. Jews, Jews, are you still there? Are you still here somewhere? Jews, Jews. They came to the fence. Come, come, come over the fence. They climbed over the fence. The czar would like to meet you. The, 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 the czar? Is he going to send us to Siberia for coming to Vilna without permission? Is he going to, because we were in your guard? Did he see us? No, no, not at all, not at all. The czar is so impressed with the answer. He knew that I didn't know the answer. After he heard me say the answer, he said, and who told that to you? And I said, why, why do you think somebody told it to me? He said, because I know you didn't come up with the answer by yourself. That is too good of an answer. And so, I told him the truth, and he wants to speak to you. He does. Yes. They went into the czar. And the czar said, I heard the answer you gave, the minister of education. Very impressive. But what are you two Jews doing in Vilna? Don't you know you are not allowed to be here? Well, Chaim explained, we're here to see the minister of justice. And why is that? And Moshe explained the whole story. Tsar shook his head. And he said, that's terrible. And he's controlling the judge too. I will deal with this right now. First, scribe, write them a letter of exemption. They do not have to go to Siberia. And then, write a letter of arrest 
for the nobleman. It took another week or two before Moshe and Chaim came home. But the first thing they did when they came back to their town was they went to Ramir Rafal, the Parnes Ha'ir, and they told Ramir Rafal the story. And they were incredibly astonished at the great wisdom of the Balatanya that he was able to tell them a vart that saved their lives. Wow. The three of them traveled to the Balatanya and began to treat him as their Rebbe, as their spiritual guide. And now Sammy's Rebbe said, this is why you have to pay attention to even vertlach, even little things that are conversations between me and other Talmudim, you have to hear the answers in the conversations because you never know when hearing a vart is going to save your life. You think it's not so important, but it might save your life. Yes, Sammy. Rebbe, I don't mean to be chutzpah but is it possible that we don't ever have to worry about going to Siberia because we don't live in Russia or Poland, we live in the United States? That's true. And also because we don't have a czar, that's true. So maybe it doesn't matter so much. The details aren't important. What's important is that you never know when what you hear in terror is going to help you out. Yes, Avramu? Rabbi, I maybe mean to be chuspic. I mean, I don't mean to be chuspic, but, but I also have, in this case, I agree with Sammy. Oh, Simeon Mazel Rabbi, that's not nice. Uh, I, I know. But yeah, well, what's, what's the problem? Like, like, what, give me an example. What's an example? An example? Yeah, how, how could it help me to, to pay attention to, to a question somebody else asks? Ooh. I'll give you two examples. One is an example that you're gonna laugh at, and the other is a real example. Ready for the one you're gonna laugh at? Yes, you can see Rabbi, could, could I laugh first because Sometimes I don't get these jokes and then everyone makes fun of me that I didn't laugh. So if I laugh now, then I'll have laughed. <laughs> Just laugh with everybody else, okay? What happens, Avramel, in Mirza Hashem? You're 23 years old and you're going to be in Shaduchim and you're dating a girl and you're thinking of marrying her and you come to the house where you're picking her up for a date and the man who you hope will be your father-in-law says to you, no, um, I have a kasha. I understand you learned the Gemara already. I have a kasha in the Gemara. And he asked you a question that we talked about in class many years ago. And because you weren't paying attention to my conversation with Zvulun, you were busy schmoozing with your friends about the Patriots. Because of that, you missed the answer. And your future father was going to say, Oh, you didn't know that. Uh, well, I heard from Yikusil, who is dating my other daughter, who was in your class, that your Rebbe talked about it when you were in uh, subgrade. Uh, obviously, you don't pay attention in class. You can't marry my daughter. And you'd lose your whole shit because you didn't pay attention. Rebbe, that's never going to happen. How do you know, Avramel? But Rebbe, that was the joke, Avramel. That was the joke. You want to know the real practical difference, though? Yes, Rebbe, what's the practical difference? What happens if when I write the test, or maybe give a pop quiz, and I ask the question that Zulun asked me, and that I told him the answer, and that you weren't paying attention to, and it's a one-question test, guess what you're going to get on the test? A zero. That's a joke too, Rebbe. Rebbe would never do... 
Really? Everyone, take out a piece of paper. And answer the following question. Why does the Gemara say, and the Rebbe asked the question, and everyone's looking at the Rebbe, I said take out a piece of paper. Now. But Re- ne- Yes, Sammy? Re- Rebbe, is it possible I don't have a pen? You don't have a pen? Well, I by mistake was chewing it while Rebbe was telling the story, and I don't know what happened to it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe you want to go to the nurse? Uh, um, no, no, I, I mean, I know what happened to the pen, but it's over here. Hey, Faye, your hands are blue, and there's ink all over your shirt. Right, that's what I mean. Uh, you know what, why don't you go to the, get cleaned up, go to the office. Rebbe, that's our fear. Of Rebbe. I'm the Rebbe. Sammy, you can go to the office. But then I have to take the... Of Rebbe. <clears throat> I'll repeat the question. The Rumara says, and the Rebbe asked the question... And the boys who were listening wrote down the answer. The Rebbe walked around the room with a big red marker. And he went to the boys who had the correct answer. And he put an A plus on the top of their paper. And then he went to his roll book and put a little A plus on his roll book by their name. And he went around the room and anybody who didn't know the answer, he put a big zero on their paper. And then he wrote in his book a zero. Avramo looked at his Rebbe. Rebbe, it's one quiz anyway. Probably doesn't matter much. You're right. It's one quiz. But if you don't pay attention when I talk to other Bachram in class with their questions, and I give pop quizzes every day on what happened in class, guess what's going to happen? It's not going to be just one zero. It's going to be a hundred zeros. And guess what happens when you get a hundred zeros in my class? Yes, you can steal. You, you get a prize? <laughs> no. No, you don't get a prize. You get to come back to my class next year also. Because you don't pass this class. That's a prize. Thanks, you can steal. I, I, I appreciate that. Rebbe, that would be terrible. I don't want to come back to this class next... I mean, I mean... Uh, um. Uh, I, uh, I'd love to come back, but Rabbi's such a, uh, Avramo, just take the lesson. And when somebody tells you a vart, or when somebody's telling a vart around you, pay attention and listen! And then you'll do well. Okay? Very good. Alright. Please take out a piece of paper and a pen. Rabbi, Rabbi, just ask! It's another pop quiz. But Rabbi, it's not fair! Two pop quizzes! Yeah, why not? I think I'll ask the same question again. But Rebbe, Rebbe knows I don't know the answer. I'm sorry. Then I'll get two zero. I'm sorry. Re- okay, Rebbe. Rebbe wins. Okay, fine. I'll pay attention. Ah, great. Mirz Hashem. I can't wait. That's the story. <clears throat> Rebbe Yukovsky? Uh, Shalom Aleichem. What's your name? Uh, my name is Aaron. Oh, Aaron. Nice to meet you. Very nice. What's your last name? Uh, Charles. Oh, uh, very nice. And what can I do for you? I heard that story on Rabbi Fischel Schachter's um, on Torah Torah Hotline. Uh, what's it called? The Torah Phone. Okay. It, it was a little different. <laughs> Maybe it was a little different. Yeah, that's true. I I sometimes don't necessarily listen to all the stories before they come out. You know, before I before I say them. Well, um, I think maybe it was Vilna, the city of Mayor Fall, and then Saint Petersburg was the city of the capital, because that's where the czar was. 
you know what? I appreciate you pointing it out, and I'm glad that we recorded that. So if I did make an error, people know that the details are are mistaken. But I, I would hope that in the end of the day, people will be Michael me for for not having those details precise. Um, my stories are not meant to be like like halacha l'moshibisinai, and and they're certainly not meant that you're supposed to learn halacha from it. Um, I, the lessons are obviously important, but not the uh, details, right? Is that okay? Yes, I, I guess. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your concern. And Mr. Hashem, anyone else out there, if you have any concerns, don't hesitate. Please, feel free to call so that we know that your concerns are met. I wouldn't want chas that somebody, somebody, somebody's concerns not met. And you can call any time, 24 hours, 6 days a week, um, 401-384-0852, and leave a message. And um, I don't necessarily get back to the people with the messages, but if you have a concern, I'll try to address it in a in a future recording. And um, for those people who listen to my podcast, it's great. Thank you so much. You can call me too at that number and let me know that you listen. And that way I'll know that it's Kadai, it's worthwhile to keep putting on more and more and more on the podcast. Thanks so much. Have a great night.